Hello and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Be Uncluttered. I'm Rebecca Mazzino and with me is Tara Tuttle and together we are going to help you on your journey to a life free of clutter. Hi and welcome to this week's show. This is the last week we are talking about moving in May, the moving month. Last week we talked all about downsizing for ourselves and this week we want to take it to the next step and talk about helping other people downsize or clear people's estates. So helping people downsize or especially parents downsize is probably something that most of us have to do at some point in our lives. So if you're not going through it yet, it might give you a few tips to uh, squirrel away for future. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, unfortunately, one day a relative may pass away and you will be the person or one of the people responsible for clearing out their home and preparing it for sale or rental. So we're going to cover that a little bit as well. So first we'll talk about helping someone with their downsizing project because people who downsize, sometimes they're quite independent about it and they do it all themselves or they hire someone like um like Mick, to to kind of do it and you don't need to really have a lot of input, but then other times they will need a lot of support. So uh, this is for those that need um, a lot of help. Um, We'll give you some tips on how you can help them. So I can imagine that especially if people are feeling like they're forced into downsizing either because they can't afford the place they're in at the moment or they've got health reasons that are preventing them from maintaining it, Uh, or staying there if they need to move into somewhere, you know, possibly with additional care or something like that. People must find downsizing really tough and have some all sorts of feelings, maybe anger, sentimentality, all of that about moving. So that's something to consider. But what else can you think of, Beck, and and know from your experience that people need to keep in mind when they're helping other other people downsize? Like you said, the feelings are big. So there's a lot of mixed feelings actually because there's excitement but then there's also dread and anxiety and grief uh so there is lots of big feelings all over the place and that's something to be aware of it's not just it's not just a clinical thing that just happens it's like you can't just come in and and look at it like a Uh, a a military maneuver or or anything like that this is something that has lots of big feelings involved in it so they need to be considered Um, so those feelings will be quite mixed and I guess you can't assume either what those feelings will be so if you're helping others it's probably important to go in and suss out what the feeling is like what the mood is like whether today they're feeling anxious and worried about what this move means or whether they're feeling excited for the new chapter so maybe Maybe that's a way mm. to approach it is to go in assuming nothing. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Ask them. Because I think I think even the people that are moving don't know what they're feeling. Mm. <laughs> um and it changes, it comes and goes and different things will trigger different feelings. So there there are some who are very definite on their feelings. Like there are some who are so excited and can't wait. And there are others who absolutely do not want to do it and they are being dragged along by you know, the rest of the family or other considerations. And then everyone else is somewhere in between. And it can change at a moment. So, yeah. We also definitely need to consider when when you're helping someone downsize that there is attachment to belongings and they might be attachments that you can't see 
but that they are there and they might be to things that you think are unreasonable or strange but it's important to understand that any attachment feelings are valid and they need to be uh, validated, I guess, and believed and and catered catered to. Mm. And what about the logistics? I guess that's something you've got to keep in mind. Well, like we said in the other episodes, this takes a while. Like this is, this can be a quite a long process and it's actually best if you don't rush it. And the sooner that you get started, the better because it can be quite stressful with all of the things that have to happen. So if you can, you know, go go slow and start early, that would be good. So where do we start? How can we help? If someone has asked us, family or not, to help them downsize, where do we begin? Okay, so there's different ways to help them and I think like the first one to consider is just in the planning of it all. And so there are, there are planning activities that need to be undertaken. Uh, some are possible, some are not possible, but one of them that I find really useful is if you can measure up the new place. And if you've got access to the new house, uh, and even if it's just the dimensions of the, of the floor, like the floor plan and, and the di- basic dimensions, that would be good. But if you can get the, if you can go into the place and get dimensions of the cupboards and all that, that's really handy because you need that later on when you're trying to decide whether or not your furniture will fit. So knowing the size of the spaces that you are going into then help with the decision making process later on. I guess that also becomes a bit of a bargaining tool if you, as well, if you know that the, say, the wardrobe or the closet of the place you're moving to is half the size of the existing one, you can measure the new one, Mm. measure the current one, then that becomes a a chip you can play, I guess, when you're having the discussion with them about, okay, we need to reduce Mm. the volume of clothes or shoes or both, and they're hesitant, you can say, look, we know we're reduced. We have to reduce this by fifty percent because our closet there is half the size. You know, yeah. so it's and becomes a bit more clinical then. Yeah, um, it gives and not something you concrete. Telling them, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. something concrete to go on and something objective. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, what else do we have to think about with planning? Oh, there's all the essential services. There's all of the the contracts with the new place. Uh, the uh, moving date, booking removalists and other re- moving related services and things like that. So what I'm trying to do is think of all the things that Mick does for his clients. <laughs> and, you know, mm-hmm. one of them that he does is he negotiates with the retirement village. And this is, we're assume- I mean, a lot of people move into retirement villages, so that's the, the bulk of it. So I'll make that assumption or I'll, I'll, I'll talk based on that assumption. Uh, but he will negotiate with them move days and access and he'll get like keys to the elevator to make sure that the removalist can leave the doors open and all those little things like that, all of those logistics um, are another thing that you can you can help them with as well. Okay, great. How about when it comes to actually making decisions? Mm-hmm. Um, is there ways we can, um, other than just encouraging them <laughs> to let go, yeah. are there other ways that we can help them with that? You get you, you. There will be some that are quite happy to let go and excited about buying like, all new furniture and stuff for the new place. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there are others who just want to take their entire house with them and just plop it in the new location. So th- with those people, there's going to be some negotiating because it's going to be make it difficult for them to live in the new house. If they do 
take all the existing furniture they have and all the existing stuff. So start off with the big furniture and make the decisions on all the big stuff first because then also you know what you've got storage to go into. So if you are if you decide that you're taking the entire buffet and hutch and that that's going to fit in the living room, then as far as storage goes, you can probably then just transfer everything in it from one place to the other. Mm-hmm. Unless you've got two buffet cabinets and then you're only taking one, <laughs> then you're going to need to start to rationalise. So knowing what furniture you're taking helps with the decision-making process because like you said about the linen, it's like, well, this is the amount of space we have and this is the amount of stuff we have and they don't match, so there's going to be some things that have to go. Mm-hmm. What about when it comes to all their sentimental stuff? Mm-hmm. Uh, is there way- <laughs> ways we can help them to part with Things like photos and things yeah. like that. And all of their all the things that they've had from their own parents and grandparents and stuff as well. So I mm. guess it comes down to the same stuff we always say is, you know, help them figure out ways to keep the memories without the stuff by using photos and videos and all of that. Um, one of our clients took her mum on a tour of the house with the video camera and she got her mum to talk about all of the rooms, all of the furniture, all of the things in it, the trinkets and all that, and tell the stories about them all before any of them left so that she had this permanent record of the items. And then the family had a permanent record as well of the stories behind the items. So that could be another a method to, to help people to retain the memories of the things that, that are going to be leaving. Um, you can also use this the method that you and I have talked about a billion times, which is like the greatest hits method to choose a selection of the best and the most favourite um, of the sentimental items to take to the new place and the ones that make sure that, that all of the emotional needs are met from that sample of, of those of those that category of belongings. And I guess a word of caution would go out here, and this is just speaking from my own experience at helping people make decisions with stuff, is that if you're there assisting them and giving them ideas on how they could retain the memories without the belongings, be really cautious about accepting stuff because yeah. I can think of family examples where they've known that they needed to let go or they were happy to let go themselves. They just didn't want it to be gone from the family. Mm. And so the tendency then is if you're the one there helping them, they'll say, oh, look, I know I can't take my parents' dinner set, but I would love it to stay in the family. Maybe you could take it. And the problem is if it's an emotionally charged situation, my tendency Mm. would be, "Mm -hmm, sure, (laughs) yep, I'll take it because I just don't want to upset you further or make this any harder. But the problem is then you just pass the burden from one person to another. Mm -hmm. So. I guess you need to be prepared for that. You do. You go in. Yeah, exactly. And probably a solution to that could be to say, okay, well, you've said that you don't want it, so let's just put it in the unwanted zone and then we can think about options for disposing of it later. And that kind of gets it, it the decision made that it's unwanted and it clarifies that decision that's unwanted because sometimes they'll say, well, I don't want it, but I don't want it to go outside the family. So you're like, okay, what you need to do is focus on the I don't want it phrase. And so, mm-hmm. right, that's the decision you've made is you don't want it. And then you can maybe later later on after they've built up their letting go muscle and they've had discussions about several things, then go back to that dinner set later and say, okay, you've said you don't want it. Let's talk about where it's going to go now and all of our options. And one of the options will be that it goes to family members, but you, you give them all the other options as well, which we'll talk about a bit later. 
So you mentioned an unwanted zone then. So we mm. talked about this a little bit when we were prepping and packing and things like that. How would you? How does it differ when you're downsizing or helping other people downsize? Um, it's pretty much the same. It's it's a zone that you create so that as you are going through and making your decisions, you are separating immediately the unwanted from the wanted just for clarity basically so that you know you've been through that space because there's nothing left in it that is unwanted because all the unwanted stuff is in the unwanted zone. And then it gives you the ability to separate the decision about whether it's wanted or not from where it's going to go because the where it's going to go, it's a separate and also difficult choice to make or Mm -hmm. um, decision to make. And so kind of blending those two decisions together about whether it's wanted or unwanted and where it's going to go is difficult. So if we can have the unwanted zone, you get to split that decision up and simplify it by having the is it wanted or unwanted first and then later on where is it going to go. Uh, And one of the things that one of the benefits of having somebody help you is that if, if you can actually let go of the need to make the decision where it goes, then as the helper, I'm oh, sorry, I'm saying this from the p- wrong perspective of the wrong person. So from the person who's moving, if they can outsource the decision about where the things are actually going, they can just make the decision about whether it's wanted or unwanted. And if they've got you as a helper or they've outsourced help, they don't have to think about where it goes. So it's a lot easier. And then you as the helper can go in and say, all right, well, I think it's sellable or it's not sellable, but it is donatable or it's not either, but so, but it can be recycled, you know, and, and go through that decision. And then the person who's made the decision about whether it's wanted or unwanted doesn't have to make all of those decisions again. It doesn't have to revisit it again. So that's where yeah, the unwanted think, zone's good. I think that would um, speed up the process too because mm-hmm. they could get completely hooked up on where, okay, yeah. well, I know I don't want it, but should it go to – cousin marjorie or should we sell it because we cousin marjorie might not use it and and then you know another hour passes talking about the future of this object where Mm. if it's just okay it's unwanted we move it and someone else makes that decision Mm. or we revisit if if we have time yeah exactly that's awesome exactly yeah Mm. and and if you wanted to have a section in your unwanted zone for it's unwanted but i i'm really I'm going to be strict about where it goes. You can have a section for that. And then others, the other parts of the unwanted zone can be don't care where they go, just don't want them. And so then the revisiting only has to happen on a small selection of the items um, as well. Yeah. I remember um, in the Swedish art of death cleaning, she went around and put little stickers, different coloured stickers on items that were unwanted but she wanted to either go to family members or to be given to friends. So it was they all moved out of their location or, you know, could be moved out of location but easily identifiable as something to be passed on to a specific person versus go to the, you know, charity shop or go Mm. to the tip. So Mm -hmm. you can come up with a method like that too. Would Mm. your unwanted zone normally be a room or a chunk of a room or what would you recommend? Depends what you've got to work with. If you've got a really full house, then you have to actually work hard to get an unwanted zone <laughs> because it mm. takes a little bit of clearing. But uh, quite often there there is a room in a home that's not used a lot, especially once there's not a lot of people living in that home. So if you're just down, if you've got like a lot of older people that we work with, 
they use one living area only. Um, and so if they've got two living areas, like a formal lounge or formal dining, they're often not used. So those are great rooms to be the unwanted zone. And mm-hmm. you just move the furniture. Again, you make the decisions on the large furniture in that room and then you move them either out of the room or into sort of the corner of the rooms if they're going to be unwanted and then you just start filling up the room with with all mm-hmm. of the unwanted stuff so quite often there is a room that is being unused in in a home that that they're downsizing from because it's usually quite a large home there'll be spare rooms and so yeah we just we just grab the what we usually do is we grab the room that is being used the least and has the most amount of unwanted stuff already in it mm-hmm. so that's usually the room that Mick chooses yeah but then there's basements and garages you can use as well Okay. And so how else can you help physically? Yeah. We've talked about, you know, helping them make decisions, but are there other physical things that you should be thinking about doing? Yeah. There's the whole like climbing up into the roof and pulling stuff down out of the roof space, getting down low. Um, Some of the people who are downsizing are young and fit you know they're in their 60s and 70s and they can often do a lot of that themselves but some of them are in their 80s and 90s and so it's a bit harder for them to to do that kind of stuff so if it's an issue for them uh, you can be the one who gets up on the ladders and down into the crawl spaces and pulls all the stuff out for them Uh, so that's something that you can do you can obviously do the creating of the unwanted zone and moving the furniture around to help them have that unwanted zone created you can also do all of the heavy lifting, the taking stuff to the dumps, taking stuff to charities and donation places, um, and take all your stuff out. So if you've got stuff in your parents' house and you're helping them downsize, get rid of your stuff ASAP so that they don't have to, to deal with it. Mm, I think I think I've done mine already. <laughs> I did mine. I did mine about oh, ten years ago. Mm. Well, I thought I'd done all of mine as well. And recently I asked mum about these records that I couldn't find. This like the two first two first records I ever had. Um LPs, that's how old I am. And I said to mum, I, I can't find them. I'm just I'm I'm hoping you've got them. And then the next time I went to her place, she had them out on the bed. She'd found them. So I think those were the last two things that I had left at Mum's house. But I'm sure as she she's going to do a clean out of the garage soon actually she's got all these grand plans and so i'm sure a couple of things will pop up that are mine uh, and i know she's got stuff of my sister's still there but that's going to be all moved within the next you know couple of months because my sister's got storage to put it in now so um so that will get moved out but um yeah yeah get it out cuz it's yeah, a fair amount of it, stuff probably there it's amazing how much clarity you get when you're faced with taking it yourself as well. <laughs> I remember my dad found like a old school bag of mine full of all my diaries and oh. journals and letters and stuff. Um, for years he'd been saying, you know, that big bag is still in the shed. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, do you want it? And I'm like, no, I don't want it. I just, <laughs> I just don't, don't want, want it you. to be gone. <laughs> I need it to still exist in case I want it but I don't want it. Anyway, then when he was selling the house and moving, he's like, okay, decision time. Are you taking it? I'm like, no, nah, you can get rid of it. So he's like, I've held on to this for 15 <laughs> years because you wanted it. But now that you now might that you have, have to, to take put it in it your house, yeah. I was like, yeah, no, nah, get rid of it. So it's good for clarity. Yeah. Um, yep. So I guess we've got to offer up a bit of emotional support as well, like we said before mm-hmm. with all the, the feelings Oh, it's tricky though because you want to allow them to feel 
what they're feeling, but also you don't want to indulge the sentimentality too much else you're going to get really bogged down. Mm, yeah, so, you, you do. You can get quite bogged down in it and it, it can be slow going if you if you do if you do get a bit bogged down, I guess it's you just have to sort of watch them and see how they're going. Um, there are some people that only need a, like a little bit of indulging and then they pick themselves up and they're like, okay, yeah, now I'm happy and I can, I can do it. But then there are others who will you not use that, but they will lean on that um, indefinitely and, um, and end up not making any decisions. So there is, they need their, they need space and permission to, to grieve what once was what they had mm-hmm. the space they had um the memories that they've got in that in that home and all that kind of stuff so they need that space and they need that permission but like you said there is a point at which it that probably does need to not drag on too long it needs to stop at, at some point so but also don't rush them don't be like what are you carrying on about this this is silly it's just it's just an old walking stick you know who cares you don't you're not going to use it but you know it was their grandfather's or or it had some kind of meaning and so dismissing those feelings is unwise so definitely allow them that space and then use your judgment as to how long that that goes for yeah um and then i guess if there's things that are really overwhelming maybe either you step back or help them step back a little bit, go make yourself a cup of tea, mm. have a moment, let them tell the story, let them grieve for whatever, you know, it's triggered and then try and, you know, put a little boundary around it and say, mm. right, cup's empty, Let's or let's try a new space. Let's, yeah. Let's, you know, move away from the whatever cupboard that's that's triggered these feelings and let's go do something a bit a bit lighter like the Tupperware. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's the, although Tupperware, I tell you what, how much Tupperware comes from into a retirement village is often <laughs> way more than what's necessary. Uh, it's hard. It's, and, and I've, you know, I've had so many discussions with people who are downsizing and, and they can laugh at themselves. You know, they're like, I, I don't know why I did this, but I just had to. Like, I don't know why I brought all this, but I just, I just did. And I, I just kind of, and then I'll often say, I guess I just hoped that maybe I could squeeze it in. You know, there's this little hope that they have that things aren't going to change too much. But, you know, also it's worth talking to them about how their life is going to change because this is, these are discussions that I've had with, with clients before where they've talked about, um, well, I use that when I do this and I use that when I do that and I use that when I do that. And, then I sort of say, well, do you think that you will be hosting the entire family here again? You know, because they're like, well, I might need, you know, when they're, when there's all of us here, there's 25 of us, you know. And so I'm like, okay, that's here. But in the new place, would you host everybody all at once or would you go to someone else's place? Because your new place, you're only going to be able to fit in a six-person dining table. There's only one living area and there's a small balcony or courtyard. And so maybe having 25 people over there is going to be something that you're not going to be overly inclined to do. So if that's the case, can we think about maybe reducing the number of wine glasses or fancy plates or whatever it is that they're keeping and placemats? You know, I've moved three dozen placemats before and and it's like, you know, they they, they know very well, you know, that, that they don't really use them, but they always hold out this hope. But if you chat about how life will change and how exciting it is that instead of having to do all the dishes for 25 people and all the cooking, that you all get to go somewhere where you don't have to do that anymore. 
you go to a restaurant or you go to one of the kids' places and, you know, you, you don't have that burden anymore so maybe the placemats can go because, hey, guess what, you're not going to have as much work to do. So looking at the the changing of circumstances and the way life will change in a positive way can also help with the decision-making as well and, and just them feeling better about the whole thing. Yeah, and I guess as well if you have been listening to this podcast, you've probably been doing plenty of your own decluttering. And so think about some of the things that worked for you, some of the questions you asked yourself Mm. that made you get clear about letting go of some of the clutter you had and maybe, you know, try them out, try them on for size. If it was seeing, you know, pulling out all your toiletries and seeing your entire bathroom bench covered with all these toiletries, if that's what struck you at the excess and and having more than you need, then maybe try that on with them as well and say, you know, you don't need all of this. If it's around aspirational stuff, things they were going to do one day and never got to, maybe you could ask them some questions around that. Mm. So, yep. And I think, and asking questions is the key because if you are assisting somebody to make decisions, then you are we we strongly recommend you don't tell them what to do. Uh, that's It's up to them to make the decisions. But what you can do is you can guide them by asking questions, which is, you know, what Tara and I do when we help people declutter. We don't tell them, you don't need this. We say to them, tell us about this, you know, uh, how under what circumstances do you use this and when do you think you'll need it next and you know do you already have others that will do the same job and is this just um for here as a uh, just for just in case instead of a just for when and what are the is the inconvenience if you do get rid of it all of those questions helps people make decisions so don't tell them what to do but ask them a billion questions because that will help them then make the decisions Brilliant. Okay. Well, so shall we talk about clearing an estate then? Because Mm. this is something I've only had a small experience with personally, but even the thought of it is quite quite overwhelming, I think, Mm. you know, because there's so much to it. So what what are the things we've got to keep in mind when it comes to clearing an estate? Um, We have to think about I think one of the important things to know is how much time you have, because that will dictate basically a lot of the process. If you don't have a deadline, I strongly recommend you create one yourself because we've dealt with quite a few estates that have dragged on for two or three years. And that's a lot of lost income to the people that could be earning a rental income from that property. And and the, the property isn't being used because it's ill in limbo. Everything's kind of half done or half decided on or half worked on or whatever. So definitely create yourself a deadline uh, because without one, you kind of can, you'll just float along indefinitely, especially if you find the, the process difficult. Um, and then work backwards from that deadline. So, you know, you need to and the last thing you'll do will be the cleaning. The second last thing you'll do will be the repairs. Before that, you'll do the rubbish removal. Before that, you'll have your unwanted stuff boxed up and removed. And before that, you'll have your wanted stuff boxed up and removed. And before that is all the decisions to be made. So, you know, once you know your deadline, you can work back and just, and figure out, you know, when you want to have all of those milestones met by. Um, the hardest one is making, is making the decisions, um, usually depending on your frame of mind around the stuff. Yeah. And I guess as well, it depends on how many people are involved. If, if it's a, a parent's estate and there's a number of siblings, you might be able to divvy up some of those tasks. Mm. Like we'll all come together and make the decisions and then it's over to you, sibling number one, for 
getting all the things that are wanted to the people that want them. And then sibling number two, you have to deal with the unwanted stuff. Sibling number three, you do with rubbish removal. If you're on your own, you've got a lot of (laughs) work to do. Hmm. But there there are places and people that you can call in to help, obviously, aren't there? Oh, yeah. Well, this is what Mick does every day. <laughs> so there's mm. definitely uh, businesses that can help you to do part or all of the job for sure. Uh, and there are some, you know, some jobs where all Mick does is, you know, clear out the shed, you know, where the, the family does the house. And But then there are others where, you know, the family members all live overseas and Mick does every single bit of the entire job. So um, there's 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 a scale, but you can definitely get help with all or some of the aspects of, of an estate clearance. When there is no one on site and you would get a call or Mick would get a call saying, we want you to do the entire job, do those family members request to keep anything? Do they say, oh, mum had a... Yeah. Um, a vase in the back cupboard and it's blue with a rose on it. I want that and I want that. And you find those things and and yep. put them aside. Because yep. I always wondered with that whether when you get someone in, if you are not present at all, whether it's basically like hands off, fair go, like as in whoever's clearing the estate does the entire thing from beginning to end or whether those people can interject and go, oh, but can you keep that and mm. can you put that aside or can you post that to me or this to yeah. It depends on the business. Um, if you hire, there are some, uh, should I call them cowboys? <laughs> there are some businesses, and I say that almost in inverted commas, that will kind of say, oh, you pay us 300 bucks and we'll just clear it all out for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they end up doing all of it. They they will take everything and they you won't be involved in any of it, those kinds of yeah. things. And they'll also possibly make a lot of money on things that you didn't know were there and that were valuable, mm-hmm. um, like the cash that, that granny shoved in the stool lid or something. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so there, there are business, but what, that, that's not how we work. Um, so if, if Mick is working completely – independent or without any of the family present in actual you know in this city or whatever then he will talk to them about that and he will say okay is there anything that the family wants and if they say look we don't know what's there then he will will tell them you know what's there he can send photos uh, and Mm -hmm. say look this is what's here and then they'll say okay well yeah we want this this and this Um, often they do know what's there though and they will say things like all right um, the grandfather clock is going to go to joe in sydney and the waterford crystal is going to go to lisa in darwin and um, we want all photos um, to be boxed up and given to the lawyer and, you know, so there'll be different things like that mm-hmm. and they'll give those instructions and then Mick will do all of that. So uh, he's definitely done, he definitely does that all, all the time. Um, and also what he'll do as well is if there's, if they have been through the house already because he usually, ideally, in order to quote accurately, Mick will say, can you go through and make all of your decisions? You don't have to remove everything but just make all your decisions and stick your um, the stuff that's wanted in one area and label it accordingly, like put a big sign on it that says this pile of stuff is all wanted. And then he will go through the unwanted stuff and dispose of it accordingly. But sometimes he'll find things in that in the unwanted stuff that he thinks they might have missed that could be mm-hmm. valuable and he will double-check with them. So 
If he sees that they have put a whole lot of photos in the wanted pile and then he finds one down the back of the bed frame, he will go and whack that on the wanted pile just in case they do want it because he thinks he'll know that it's very likely they didn't see it in the first place. So it probably mm-hmm. isn't unwanted. And um, other things as well, if he if he sort of finds things um, that look like they've been stashed or hidden and that someone might not have seen them or if a mistake has been made uh, or if he thinks it's more valuable than they think it is, he will mm-hmm. pull that aside and send them a photo of it saying, hey, did you know about this? Did, is it still unwanted? And, and they'll clarify. So mm-hmm. um, he also is always on the lookout for any mistakes they might have made or anything they've missed going through the, the unwanted stuff um, as well because sometimes there are those things where you go, oh. And then other times if he sees that there's like three bags of photos all in the unwanted section, he'll know that any photos he does find that are loose in the unwanted section, they won't want them either. So you can mm-hmm. basically judge as well on, on the things that they've picked out as to whether they've made any mistakes or not or missed anything. So if we are doing this ourselves in person um, on site, what are some of the categories that we might want to sort mm. the stuff into to help us as we're going through? So there'll be things for the families or, or beneficiaries. So there'll be some things that might be specified in a will, which the executor will know what they are and um, you'll have to pull those out and, and separate them. Then there'll be just things in general that the family have said that they would like. And so there'll be a things for family and friends kind of pile. Then there'll be in the, there'll be like the unwanted stuff, which there's, definitely loads of subcategories in unwanted and there's the stuff that has to be sold the stuff to donate stuff to recycle then there's other waste i guess and then just everything that's left which is kind of goes to the dump or um, has to go to landfill okay and so where would you start if you're doing it yourself what's the process okay well the process that we use is to get all the rubbish out first so we just go through and pick out anything that is not donatable or sellable uh, and then we stick it in it usually it usually goes in a skip which is then separated out into reuse uh, recycle they, the skip companies will split it all and recycle most of it um so we pull out all of the rubbish first um and then we box up the things that are to be donated and we box up the things that are to be sold but you need to decide if you if you're selling stuff and donating stuff it's good to know at the beginning what your plan is for how to do it because when you are selling things you've got a few different options and you might need to you know separate or box or prepare the items depending on the method of how they're going to to be like sold so if you're going to an auction house you loosely box things up, nothing too overly wrapped because that takes them a lot of time to unwrap it. And uh, you don't need to sort of photograph things. They do all of that for you. So you just sort of send them off and they send you an inventory of all of the items that end up in the um, auction lots. But if you are selling it yourself on Marketplace, you need to take photos of it yourself. So there are different things that you need to do with different, different categories. So knowing how you're selling things is is helpful at the beginning so that you can split them up accordingly. Mm. Um, I am just thinking to a time um, only beginning of last year, early 2020, and uh, we went through my nana's place. I flew back to Adelaide for that and got together with my two aunties. And 
It might sound odd, but we had a really lovely time. The three of us all stayed at my nana's house for a couple of days and bought in heaps of chocolate and cake and tea (laughs) and the occasional piece of fruit and vegetable as well. But we had some bottles of wine and we basically just went through room by room and made it this really lovely experience where then someone would get into a story so then we'd make a cup of tea and we'd all sit down and listen to the story and then we'd crack on with it. But it was it was very it was a very lovely experience. So as as much as it sounds like doing a deceased estate could be really morbid, if there are people that are invested and that are connected, you could and it doesn't have to be for three months of um, sorting. It could be that you, you know, invite a few people in on one day or a few people in on another day and help them like just the siblings are going through the living room today. And this is what we're doing and let's, you know, order some pizzas and, and crack on and all get in and tell some stories and have a laugh and have a cry and mm. and try and progress by the end of the day, you know, and then pick a different room and a different group of people a couple of days later and it might make it less heavy or burdensome. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That's I really like that way of of doing it because you yeah, it does. It just sort of makes it you feel less alone. Um, for a start as well because if you do things on your own it can be a bit lonely and a bit stressful so if you do have people you can bring in uh, and you can turn it into a bonding experience and you know a way to create memories you know memories with the people you're doing it with as well as um, more memories about the person that has passed because you get like you said you tell the stories and they're stories that not everybody knows and stuff like that so um, so yeah that's I think that's a really lovely idea. Are there any other tips you can think of for clearing an estate that we haven't already covered? Um, I think as far as the disposal of things go, um, you can – there are lots of different categories of things that need to, to leave and so getting a specialist in is is quite good for that. So there are some companies like 1-800-GOT-JUNK who will take all of the stuff – and then they will split it all up and you won't have to do like separate runs to the dump, you know, to do the hazardous waste to one place and the e-waste to another and all that kind of stuff. So um, you can get a specialist in to kind of, of help you with that as well. Um, so I guess the basics like, and, and this probably, this sounds a little bit clinical. And when you were telling that story, I was just thinking how much, how clinical my method sounds um, and and how even when I'm doing an estate, like if I'm packing up an estate for somebody, I'd like to humanise it as well. And it, you reminded me, you know, that sometimes when I'm helping out Mick with an estate, I'll often go to him and I'll say, um, oh, this person, you know, this this lady, she loved birds, you know, or, oh, look, she she obviously loved butterflies. And, and I kind of do this thing where I I chat to the person while I'm doing their stuff, like, I talk mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, here's some more birds for you. Like, oh, you did love these birds, didn't you? And, oh, you must have really enjoyed it. And I – because I talk to myself if I'm not around, if no one else is around. But then I'll also talk to the person whose stuff I'm clearing as well, um, which sounds a little bit weird. But I think it's kind of like what you were saying before is, you know, it lightens it a little bit and it humanises it a little bit and you mm-hmm. start to think about the the people that are involved. And, and you get to – you have an opportunity to honour that person in this process mm. as well. So even though I'm kind of – talking about the process and the logistics there is a lot of 
um, emotion in this and, and honoring that and allowing that to happen is, is, you know, it can be a really nice thing as well. So I think we've covered, uh, most of, most of it today, but if you've got any questions about, um, uh, estate clearing or you want to share your experience and tell your stories like Tara's story about how she made it, um, a process of bonding and fun and, and honoring, honoring that person, uh, then come and join us in our Facebook community group and share with everybody so that we can learn a little bit more about how to do that as well. And we will see you again here next week. Thanks for joining us. We'd love it if you'd leave a review or tell all your friends about us so they too can be uncluttered. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us at beuncluttered.com.au or on social media or on our own websites at clearspace.net.au and basklifecoaching.com.